Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Shabbat shalom. Um, Rabbi Shapiro is back, which is very exciting, which means that Rabbi Shapiro will be resuming his role of uh, introducing the Parsha to us and going over, hi Annie, and going over where we are in the Parsha and um, some thoughts on one particular verse, and then we will move into Kushiot. No that, was, that was a refresher for you, Rabbi Shapiro. Good. That's helpful. Do you think we've advanced our PR enough that like instead of a, a still picture for the class on iTunes, they could put like a little gif of me doing this shimmy? Do you think we could do that? Because I'm like back and I'm, I'm excited. I think that maybe we should just start. I leave and nothing's fun anymore. Okay. Um, what's happening? We are talking about the Parsha, I think. Okay. Um, Parshat Vayishlach. Um, we're going to pick it up towards the beginning. In fact, at the very beginning, which uh, according to the rabbis... Very good place to start. Um, so we're picking up in media res, um, kind of where we were last week. Um, Jacob is heading on back to a potentially dicey family situation. Um, when he last saw his brother, his brother wanted to kill him. So a uh, slightly less uh, pleasant homecoming than I had this past week when I got to see my brother for the first time in a while. Um, so he sends, uh, picking up chapter 32, verse 4, he sends messengers ahead and he gives them uh, instructions. He says, sort of fill, fill them in on where I have been. Tell them that I have stayed with Lavan. That's, that's where I've been hanging out lately. Um, tell them that I have acquired all of this livestock i have acquired these slaves which is an interesting headline to offer up to your brother um and send just just sort of fill him in on where i have been the messengers go they come back um and he finds out that that this encounter um is is happening soon that isa himself is coming to meet you and and not by himself but with 400 men um which of course, could be perceived as mildly, if not very uh, threatening or, or intimidating. So understandably, next verse, verse eight, Jacob was greatly frightened. And um, it's translated here as in, in his anxiety, um, the, you know, in the, in the Hebrew it says, Vayitzarlo, uh, he, was, he was having surus over it. Um, in his anxiety, he divides everything up into two camps um, out of this not totally unfounded fear, um, thinking, well, if Esau attacks one camp, um, at least at least the other um, group of people and property will will remain intact and could yet escape. Okay. Um, we are now going to pick things up. Uh, I, I, I edit- brief editorial. I was very excited to talk about Jacob wrestling with the angel, but Rabbi Schatz stole the punchline by talking about it in Midrashah yesterday. 
So we're not going to talk about that. Next year. Had we prepared before Thursday evening, Rabbi Schatz would have... What are you talking about, Rabbi Schatz? Chosen a different person. We spend all week preparing for this class. We spend hours toiling over what we were talking about. That's true. Just not at the beginning of the week. But we do spend hours toiling. Anyway. Toiling. Continue. So we're going to talk about this part. Uh, verse 10, Jacob said, uh, Elohei avi Avraham, Elohei avi Yitzchak, God of my father Avraham and my father Yitzchak. Interesting because uh, generally people only have one father, um, at least biologically. Uh, Adonai haomer elai shuv tiva imach. When you, you told me, uh, return to your native land. Um, it says here, and I will deal bountifully with you, which I don't, I, I haven't ever really dealt bountifully, but I've heard it's prohibited in at least 10 of the 50 states. Um, but basically, if you go back there, I will make sure things are good for you. I, I will do good things for you. I'll also just point out in that verse, um, you can sort of hear a resonance with the beginning of Abraham's story. Right, and here we are hearing about. It says both Isaac and Abraham are his fathers, and uh, your land, Artecha and Moladetcha, um, your birthplace. But that was just preamble for the one, yea, verily, only one verse, right, Rabbi Shatz, that we are going to be exploring today. Mm-hmm. Right. Did I get that right? I'm back. It's been a while since I've done this. So this song, make... though, the song that we're going to share, though, does do verse 12 too. But yes, we are going to focus on verse 11. Uh, I don't know this song, in case people are wondering. But that won't stop me from trying to sing along anyway, having Zoom criticize my singing. Okay. Uh, cut. Oh, for, for people who are listening, we sang before we started recording because it was Karen Cass's birthday yesterday. So uh, I will not sing it again, but a happy, slightly belated birthday to Karen Cass. Okay. She, she didn't tell us how old she is now. Katonti mikol ha-chasadim u-mikol ha-emet asher asita et avdecha. Translated here as Jacob saying to God, I am unworthy of all the kindness that you have steadfastly shown your servant. I'm, I'm going to intentionally leave that not particularly good translation there for now. With my staff alone, I crossed this Jordan, meaning when, when he first left. Um, and now, coming back, uh, I have two camps. So, so when I left, I just had the shirt on my back, basically. And now that I'm coming back, I have all this stuff. So Jacob sort of saying before God, um, I'm now in a position where even though I left with very little, I'm coming back with a lot. And so I am feeling um, unworthy of everything you have already given me and sort of like implicitly in there. um, And Rabbi Klegfeld was was talking a little bit about this at the event we were at last night. Maybe I've sort of used up my goodwill, right? Maybe by virtue of the fact that I now have all of this stuff, Kind of my my luck has run out. You can only you can only hit on sixteen so many times before you'll bust. Uh, to use another biblical metaphor, um, I'll say one and a half things on this from sort of the lens of mental health and spiritual growth that we've we've uh, had as an overlay for this 
Parsha exploration, um, and then I'll turn it over to Rabbi Schatz to do what she does, does best, soliciting Kushiot from uh, our classmates. Um, I think this reads a little bit like false humility. That's what I think. Uh, I don't think Rabbi Schatz agrees with me, but that's how you know uh, it's fun. Um, I think Jake. this is Jacob, who we have seen to this point, can be a bit manipulative and a bit of a trickster, trying to be like, oh, poor me. Who am I to be worthy of all this stuff? Please, God, help me out. Um, I, that's, that's my reading of it, um, but it, it reads to me a little bit like false humility, um, and so I think there's an interesting question in there about what is true humility, what is false humility, um, can that kind of language, you know, sort of be manipulative sometimes, um, I'll offer up the definition that folks might have heard me uh, share before this idea of humility as being right sized, right, not too big, not too little that Moshe, who was no shrinking violet, was said to be the most humble man who ever lived. Um, so also just interesting that the the language here and this idea of being right sized at the very beginning of the verse, he says, katonti, right? I am I am too little for this. Um, and that sort of bouncing off the idea of humility as being right sized. Um, I think I think there are some interesting pieces to explore there. The other uh, sort of half piece that I'll offer up um, is the, the translation sort of um, smooths out, if, if not outright papers over, um, something that when it says, katonti mikol ha-chasadim v'mikol ha-met asher asita, right? That uh, it's, it's I, am, I am too small, I am unworthy for all of the kindness, chased, and from all of the, the truth, right? All of the, all of the emet that you have done for me. Um, it's, it sort of says that you have so steadfastly shown your servant, but that's not really what it says, at least in the shot read. Um, and I think it's interesting, uh, to think about what does it mean to be shown kindness and what does it mean to be, um, to, to do truth or to be shown truth. Uh, I found an interesting spot and that comment on that, but I will, I will sort of leave that as a lingering kushia of my own for now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Rabbi Shapiro is correct. I don't, I, it, I mean, I, I do see how he reads it that way. I didn't read it that way for the, for, for this class, but I will, I will share how I read it after you all share your kushia so that I don't, um, cloud your kushia with my thoughts. Uh, Rabbi Shapiro, will you make, um, oh, mm, mm, okay. Will you make the verse bigger, please? Bigger than it's katonti. Oh, you're so funny. I am so funny. Did you forget that about me while I was gone? Uh-huh. I'm happy to, I'm always happy to remind you how funny. Okay. So this verse, um, thoughts on the verse, thoughts on the words, as Rauschweir just said, like the English translation isn't great, though, gives a general sense. Um, yes, Elon. You know, when I read this, I, I kind of, uh, I'm not a particularly well-versed in psychology, but I think it's called imposter syndrome and I think Jacob is is um, suffering from a little bit of that as opposed to uh, being um, overly humble people with huge egos can suffer from imposter syndrome 
which which basically is saying, you know, I've achieved all this stuff, uh, whether it's financial, reputational, uh, what have you. And I kind of feel like somebody's going to at some point going to catch in on the joke that I actually really don't deserve this. And and that's what strikes me uh, about uh, this verse, that it's neither uh, overly humble or not humble, but it's just, he's like, you know, what, what have I, you know, why me? Right. The, the, yeah. the, and, and I'm not sure, I don't know whether it's guilt or just, uh, I don't, I don't know what causes that, but that's what strikes me. Yeah. It's interesting when I've spoken about this verse before, I've also spoken about the imposter syndrome syndrome aspect of it. When you're in rabbinical school, they talk to you a lot about imposter syndrome because for many people who go to rabbinical school, especially in the Orthodox communities, actually, you go at a very young age. And so then you're out in the world and you are pastoring people and you are um, working in communities where many of the people around you are older than you. And all of a sudden you have all this authority and for some people, it goes straight to their head and imposter syndrome isn't necessarily something they're dealing with. But for others, it's it's a very, it, you kind of have to like snap out of it. You know, you have to recognize that, oh, no, it doesn't matter how old you are or or how well versed you are. You went you went to school to be able to do this. And someone is looking at you as. Um, as an expert in this field. And so, so too with Jacob, right? He, I agree with you that he's coming to this place of all of this has come to me. Like who's going to wake me up from this dream <laughs> to tell me that none of this is actually for me or that I should be benefiting from this at all. Um, but rather that it's just all, it all seems to be um, um, not unethical. That's what's in my head. Um Anyway, not not realistic to the to the world that he's also living in. It'll come to me in just a moment. Joanna and then Denise. Um, so I'm gonna guess that one of the difficulties with the translation is how to deal with katonti, and I'm thinking a lot about that word. And so my obvious connection to that word is, you know, to the shorish that is familiar to many of us, Katan, and that he, not necessarily that he's feeling unworthy, but he's feeling small in this moment. And um, I don't see it here as a false sense of humility, particularly because I'm not so sure that the reference to the two camps at the end is really a reference solely to how prosperous he, he's become, because that reference could be, um, and now I have one big, huge family, one camp. And the two camps is because of his fear that his brother's going to attack and half the fa- you know, and the family's going to be decimated. So if they're in two camps, hopefully half the family survives. Um, I see this as a moment of fear. And like many of us do in moments of fear and moments of uncertainty, we, we might turn to a friend and say, like, pray for me. And I feel like to me, that's my read of what Jacob is doing with mm-hmm. God right now. Mm-hmm. There's this very anxious moment and, you know, heading into that anxious moment, he's, you know, asking for an extra prayer. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Denise and then Rebecca. So kind of adjacent to imposter syndrome, but I just wonder if he feels kind of guilty because 
he stole the birthright mm-hmm. and he tricked his father to do it. And all of the blessings upon him, including his wives and whatever you want to call Bill and Zilpa, they're all a direct outgrowth of that because he had to run to Levant's house to hide out. And that's how he met Rachel and Leah and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, so, and, and then it seems also like, when he's talking to God and says, you know, from all these kindness and all this truth that you did for your servant, me, it's like, almost like he feels guilty, but he's kind of at the same time trying to say, Hey God, you know, you got me into this. You backed me up. Remember Mm -hmm. that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just see it as he's feeling very anxious about what's going on. Interesting. Great. Rebecca. Um, what I wanted to say is sort of, it's, it's very much related to Joanna's point. Um, when I read it, I, I felt that he was saying, I'm feeling small when I, when I left and I crossed the Jordan, I just had to control, you know, it was just me and my, and my staff. And then, um, and now I have, it's not that he says I'm so rich. I have all this uncontrollable, um, two camps how am I going to you know to me it feels like he's overwhelmed by the fact that there's two you know that he had to um separate into two camps and he has a lot to deal with he has to protect these all these people and and um his, his entire you know um tribe basically maybe he has to protect from his brother so to me it feels like he's actually really saying I'm feeling very small yeah. Because I am now in control. I have to control much more. Great. Great. Yeah. The, this idea, and this goes back to, um, to the, you know, the, the general, the general statement that Joanna made about Katonti, right? Like what does that idea of Katonti mean? And we're going to, we're going to get to that in just a moment, but what is this making small, right? Why is he feeling small? What is it about this smallness um, that maybe as you're expressing, like is then turned into vastness at the end. It's, it's, un, it's unclear if he feels that way or if we're projecting that, but, um, but it is interesting that we go from small at the beginning of the verse to, to very large at the end. Um, Renee, Renee. So I feel like he's almost um, blaming God for the fact that he was so kind. And because he was so kind, now he has to become two camps if he had if Hashem wouldn't have been so kind to him, uh, hmm. then he wouldn't have be- become two camps. Oh, he's kind of like thankful, but really kind of blaming too. Hmm. I've never read it that way. That's very a very interesting read. Um, other thoughts, comments, questions? No? Okay. Um, so katonti, the word katonti can mean like katon oti, right? That the idea of of I am made small, um, or or as all of those grammarians out there, which I am definitely not one. Um, it's a hefeel verb, and so it's to be to make small or to reduce, um, to be made insignificant. So the thing that caught my attention, and Rabbi Sparrow and I will um, will kind of combine this into into the mental and spiritual health pieces that we're both we're both bringing to this, but just the idea that it seems as though Jacob, whether or not he felt big before or felt powerful before, there is an element right now that is making him feel like 
he is being contracted. He is being made small. And sometimes, and we all know people like this, they're very big and large personalities and loud and in your face and often need the reminder to kind of bring it back, to take it down a notch, to be made to be made small. And then there's the type of making small that happens, for example, in abusive relationships or in a power dynamic that's not healthy, where there is someone or something that is really overreaching and the the other the other party in that relationship is made to feel quite small, is made to contract themselves to make space for this already very large entity. So that's what that's what struck me and this idea of katonti of this retraction um, that Jacob seems to go into himself. And again, I'm not making a judgment call as to whether or not that was warranted given his personality or ego or not, but just the general idea of, of him turning inward to make space um, for in this moment, it seems like God, right. To, to be, to be made small, to be made to feel small uh, in this, in this moment of complete kindness, which it seems like he doesn't, he doesn't feel like should be coming to him. So that was, that was the point that I was, that I'm always struck by in this particular verse and, and makes me think to this unhealthy, potentially abusive type relationships where that can happen. Um, Rabbi Shapiro, I, I do want to share that the song at some point, but do you want to do your texts first and then, and then we can share the song at the end. How do you want, what do you want to do? I don't know. Would you like to have an opinion? I've been out of the loop, man. You know, I I, I turn to you. Yeah, which is, you know which what's is, going on here. Which is why you you can take some, you know, initiative. Katonti. Mikola Hasidim. Vekolheimet. For everything. I don't know. Let's listen to a song. I love a good song. I, I won't even sing. I won't even sing along. No, you won't. That's true. Okay. Um. All right. I will. So this maybe, is a, maybe the song will direct me one way or another. To what? I don't know. I, I don't know the song. Um. So this this is a song. Maybe he's thinking of Yonatan Hakatan. <laughs> this is a song oh, written by Yonatan Razel, um, and it, it's a really it's a really beautiful tune. It's specifically written about these verses this verse and the one following it. We won't listen to the whole thing because it just repeats a lot, but I'll, um, I'll share it with you and then I can share with you the link um, so you can listen to the whole thing if you'd like on your own. Just let me know if you can hear it. Can you hear it?
קטונתי מכל החסדים ומכל האמת שעשית את עבדך. קטונתי מכל החסדים ומכל האמת שעשית את עבדך. קטונתי מכל החסדים Stop the music. You I... deprived everyone of seeing me do a dance solo. <laughs> um, deprive would be one verb. Um, that is lovely. It actually, um, the vibe, vibe, is that a technical musical term? The vibe of that song actually kind of reinforces something that, that I was thinking about. I'll say it's, it's always interesting to... Um, see how your your teachers impact your understanding of your verses differently than others. Um, rabbi Mark Borovitz, the founding rabbi of Beit Tshuva, where everyone knows I worked for a while, identifies very strongly with the character of Jacob um, because Rabbi Mark, before he made uh, Tshuva in a 
multitude of ways and became a rabbi um, was a con man. And so he sees a lot of resonance in the character of Jacob himself and his trajectory from a manipulative person into a more honest and whole person, um, which I think impacts my reading of this as some false humility and manipulation. And I do think there's something there's something in there with that. And I do think there's some authentic humility in there too. And the other piece that came to mind for me just now um, is I wonder if there is, and this, this is sort of jumping. I, I, I like the idea of the imposter syndrome that was raised. And I think there is something that was pinging around is maybe in recognizing his, his smallness, he's actually celebrating what he has achieved to get to, to this point. I'll like, I'll like backtrack and try to explain a little more what I think I might mean by that. When I was accepted to the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies, I was I got a phone call from Rabbi Aaron Alexander. I think Rabbi Schatz likes a little bit. And Rabbi Alexander, on the call when he accepted me to rabbinical school, said, We're excited to offer you, you know, the do you know you know the story, Rabbi Schatz, yes? You don't know the story. Oh, you will love this story very much. Rabbi Alexander said, We're so excited to offer you you know, a spot in our class for this coming year. I said, oh, that's great. And I said, but you should know you came off as pretty arrogant in the interview and you're going to need to work on that. Oh, yeah. And I was about 12 years old when I was accepted to rabbinical school. So, so I wasn't necessarily used to people being that direct with me about that. And um, I, there's at least one or two more stories I can share about how through rabbinical school and beyond people have kind of called, a t- if you guys think I am loud and in your face now, you should have seen me 15 years ago. Um, but I think in articulating that, <laughs> Elon, Elon, I'll leave that comment in the chat and I won't read it out for the podcast. Um, it, it called my attention to some stuff that I had to work on and I still have much more to go. But I think for me, part of the growth that I personally have experienced is recognizing this class notwithstanding when I should be a little more quiet and when I should um, defer to others and when I should see it as an opportunity to learn rather than to interject or, or, or step into something that I don't necessarily know something about. So reading that and sort of like refracting that into it and going back into the verses just for a second, because what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to articulate here, I think makes more sense if you can see the verses. Maybe Jacob is recognizing that part of God bringing goodness to him is the fact that he's a little smaller than he used to be. And the articulation sort of interpolating the sense that even though he might have left with very little materially, there was a lack of, of humility and, a, and, a, and some arrogance in terms of how he acted before he left. And now that he's returning, he's saying maybe that the chesed and the emet, the truth that God has given to him, has been recognizing that he should be a little bit smaller. And so now because he's had that growth process, he's asking that God protect him from Esav, because he doesn't want to lose um, what he's gotten. So that all might be a very big stretch, um, but it's what came to mind for me. And I think it is interesting to think about this idea of 
um, when when can we actually grow and expand and and um, you know move into the next phase of ourselves through what might seem like a lessening or a shrinking, but that in and of itself is actually expansion and growth. So I don't know if that resonates for anyone. I don't know if that that makes any sense even, but that that is what came to mind for me in hearing folks respond to this first. That at least makes sense as a concept. I don't even know. Like it's sort of like a like start starting here and then sort of like crossing. You know, there's like a nexus point. So, I don't know. That's my visualization of that. That I'm sure was not helpful at all. Rabbi Shaft, were you following me at all there? Yeah. Any sense? Uh, yeah. You just like you just like that story, I think. But yeah. I mean, it's a great story, but also Rabbi Aaron Alexander is one of the most straightforward human beings I know so it also is not a surprising story um he'll tell you exactly what he thinks um which makes the world a better place I think um yeah I'm happy to hear people's responses to your comment because I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction so I don't want to just take us in a different direction without people being able to share uh Tybal. sorry a different thing would you put the musician name in the chat oh sure Jonathan Rezel any other thoughts, comments, whether on Rabbi Shapiro's um, teaching or just something else you've been thinking about? No? I guess it's, yeah, Denise. It sounds like Rabbi Shapiro's kind of saying, but I don't know if I got it or not. Is, are you saying that this is like a humbling moment for him? Is that? I think what I'm saying is that it's a moment of celebrating that he's recognizing his own humility at this point. Maybe that, okay. that, 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 right. That he, that he's saying, Hey, I'm, I'm quote unquote smaller than I used to be. And that's part of the chesed and a met that you've shown me. Oh, that, that, that I, okay. I, I, I get it. Right. I that, get, that yeah. you told me things would be good for me. I recognize in this moment that I'm smaller than I used to be. And that was achieved through your loving kindness and your truth. And now I'm coming back with all this stuff. So please protect me because I've actually gotten to a place where I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay about this. So please protect me as we move into what's next, which is so, so I don't know. I don't know if that tracks, but, but that's, that's how I'm, that, that's how I'm now kind of piecing these verses together. Okay. That makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, I think that actually really makes a lot of sense. And um, especially given if we're going into the whole mental thing and, and the fact that he was uh, raised by a mother that thought that he was, you know, everything. And right. then he had to, he ran away and then he dealt with various um, challenges and he's coming back sort of bigger in terms of experience and, and uh, family, but he's also probably more realistic about his place in the world. And so it actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And, and he has been humbled, right? Like he thought, hey, here I am. I'm going to marry Rachel. Whoopsie, not so much, right? Like there, there have been things along the way that have shown him that, that just because he thinks the world should go in a certain way or he thinks he's entitled to certain things, that that's not necessarily how it's going to go. That, that can be unpleasant and that can be not fun. And it can also be a reminder, like you said, of, of you know, go, going back to the idea that I initially introduced, like being right-sized in the world. That, that, you know, hot, hot shot Jacob coming straight out of Canaan 
doesn't doesn't necessarily get the things that he thinks he should or in the time frame that he expects to get them, which can be ple- unpleasant and painful. Um, but there can be learning in that. So, so I'm, I, that's what I'm maybe seeing here that, that, that maybe that's maybe right. But, but maybe one read of these verses is to see that that's what he's articulating here. Darren A. So he's going, he, it seems like he's going through some kind of emotional, uh, growth or maturity that is accepting these changes within himself. It's not, it's not all about, uh, Magieli kind of personality. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, feeding, feeding this into the part of the Parsha that I was going to talk about, but Rabbi Schatz wouldn't let me, um, you know, then going, going into that wrestling, right. That going into, going into that wrestling with, with the different parts of himself and coming out of that with a new name, right. Like you don't, you don't have to have to scratch too hard to see below, you know, the surface of that incident as, as a, as a sort of psycho spiritual metaphor into the process of identity formation, uh, I'll back away from those verses now because Rabbi Schatz won't let me talk about them. Um, but, but, you know, this, these verses potentially some kind of preamble to that, you know, in terms of seeing where he has been and where he might yet go. And yet the interesting part about that, to go into the verses that, that you wanted to talk about, um, interesting that, that the, the moment of kind of success in that wrestling match is, Jacob prevails against the unnamed Ish. So even if he's not feeling as though he has strength or has that acclaim, th- that that part of his identity is is strengthened in some way or at least has power in some way that maybe he doesn't even know. And then we see him prevail against this divine being Um whether or not that's his own conscience or it's Asav's angel, you know, whatever is, you know, talk about that another time, but, um, but interesting that that could be, that that could be the end of this arc where he actually does have that strength and does have that power and does kind of find that inner, inner part of himself that, that allows him to prevail against something so big. Right. Well, and going back to this idea of imposter syndrome that a few different people right. have raised, right? The the sense that you know he he is different now than who he was, and so what does that mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Did you want to share Sifte Chachamim Sfornos? You brought you said someone had a thing. Spot Emet. Spot Emet. It was an S. I knew there was an S. Yeah. Go ahead. Shots. Do you have any? Do you have anything else groovy on this or? I, I just don't want to take us too far off the course of the topic we're currently talking about. So if you have a Svadimit that has to do with this, you should share it. It doesn't really. It's just a different kind of thing. But I can still share it. We, you know, yeah, go, go ahead. I just, I, mine's going to take, yeah, go ahead. I don't want to take anything away from you. I know you have to share it. We're losing, we're losing time. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, it's, it's a longer, it's a longer piece as Svadimit pieces often are. Um, but he, um, what he talks about is, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll share the screen with the caveat that I have not learned this piece. I, I glimpsed this piece on Safaria. So, you know, it's like always, oh, you know, 
caveat emptor when it comes to, to translations, but it's too interesting of an idea not to share. I'm doing a lot of Latin today. I did in media res and caveat emptor. Rabbi Schatz, did I, what happened while I was away? Did I learn Latin? Did I learn Latin when I was in Chicago? No? I don't know how to respond to you. Just teach You me. missed me so much. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what? Can we just tell everybody that based off of this podcast and, and potentially just the relationship that Rabbi Shapiro and I have, yesterday at a very fun but very, like, formal event for our shul, Rabbi Shapiro and I were pulled over by a photographer who doesn't know us. A photographer and one of the senior staff members of Temple Beth Am and said, hey, you're the fun rabbis. Can you pose for us? To which, you know, Rabbi Shapiro was very excited and I was mortified. So this, you know, this speaks to our... I had a number of poses ready to go. <laughs> he was ready, and I, I, I was hoping that it was going to end. Anyway, and, and and it was a compliment, I'm sure. And someone, yeah. um, Rabbi Klickfeld, who it must be said, <laughs> is a very fun person, at least in my experience. Very and, fun. In yeah. addition to being wise and caring and 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 compassionate, and Erech Apayim Baruch Chesed Vamet. Uh, he he was documented walking by while 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 she took the picture and was documented in a moment that could probably best be described as a disapproving school marm um, and it is immediately one of my new favorite pictures. So yeah, we're gonna we, blow it up and put it on the right, building. We'll see. We'll see if we can get that uh, uh, posted on on the front page of our new website. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. Back on the ranch of Gare, uh, Svat Emmet, right, here we are, okay. Um, he talks about, so initially in that translation, in, in, in the translation, they, they sort of allied right over this idea of Kol Hasidim Bechol Emmet, and the Svat Emmet does not let them off the hook. Um, and he points out that, that this Chesed and Emmet are two different things. Right, so just just to scan through this very quickly as a way of introducing the idea, which I found to be inter- uh, interesting, kindness is kindness, right? That seems to be pretty straightforward. But what does it mean that God has given him all of this truth? Um, and I'll and I'll share this, and Rabbi Schatz will say, "Well, of course, that's something you found interesting." Um, when referring to emet, we mean the ability of a person to uh, realize or actualize themselves. What God transmits to the soul is understood in the sense of emet, which is none other than the words of Torah. Not surprisingly, in a, in a rabbinic sense, emet is Torah for all is created with Torah. And this, this piece here is just so, so lovely. In every person, there exists a unique Torah that is able to be realized and actualized and is a divine gift offered according to each and translations that great persons and persons portion right so and for that we have even more reason to exalt and praise god that he implanted within us eternal life so there there is there's a lot in there i want to go back and like actually learn this piece to make sure one translation is accurate before there are too too many more times um and to just to just to um deepen my understanding of it a bit more but i will say that in thinking about that that sort of twofold structure within the verse, 
meaning I feel too small for all of the kindness and for all of the truth, meaning for all of this, this Torah, this opportunity for um, bringing out my Torah into the world. Um, I just think that that's, that's a really interesting, certainly, it's certainly not deep shot. It's certainly not the simple meaning of the verse. Um, but in the Sfat Emet's mind, that in the rabbinic construct, truth means Torah. And we each have that, that sort of um, Torah within ourselves to bring out into the world. And going in, in either direction with this, right? Either Jacob feeling too unworthy to carry all of this kindness and all of this truth slash Torah within him, or maybe going back into the read that I'm hopefully not forcing on these verses too much. Maybe Jacob is recognizing, I now have a greater sense of how the kindness and the teaching that you have shared with me has helped me get to this point. And I want to be able to, to preserve that, um, which I think maybe also works. Right. Um, so anyway, just it's it's not necessarily a shot or intuitive read of what Emmet might mean there. Um, and I just thought it was a nice um, kind of kind of deepening and expansion of, of what that might be. Renee. It kind of got me to thinking of uh, Maslow's chart of self-actualization, seeing how he's kind of progressed from the lower levels of self-actualization to getting higher. Mm. Right. Right. Maslow, for those who might not be familiar with it, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs expressing that before, before you can worry about self-actualization, you need to make sure you have food on the table and a roof over your head, right? That, that there are sort of the basic needs and then we have our, our relational needs, right? And sort of that it's a, a pyramid going up and the, the sort of highest need and in that way, kind of rarest need, um, assuming you check everything else off the checklist, is self-actualization. So Jacob, sort of, Renee, feeding your, your thought back into the verse, he wasn't even thinking about self-actualization when he was scared for his life. Right. Right? You're not going to worry about, am I achieving my truest potential if you think someone's chasing after you with a knife? You're thinking, I got to get the heck out of here and make sure that I'm okay. Um, but now that he's in a different kind of place, he has an opportunity to kind of reflect and see, oh, wow, I, maybe I am actually in or getting to this place where I'm, I'm seeing if I can be the best version of myself, which, again, then, then connects in nicely into the verses that Rabbi Schatz so cruelly refuses to talk about with me um, in terms of wrestling with himself and, and trying to be the best version of himself, right? I think you can sort of feed that concept over into, into that, um, that episode as well. Rabbi Schatz, why don't you toss a bow on this? Um, okay. Uh, I mean, you're the one who's kind of done the teaching. You can. I do- know. So then you gotta you gotta bow it up. You gotta you gotta take well, it all my language and help it make sense for everybody. You know. My- <laughs> you want you want me to summarize your teaching? Somebody should. I don't know what. I mean. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna share one last piece of teaching, which is. A completely opposite direction and like very much negative in comparison to the positive that we've just been um, talking about. For sure. Yeah. Undo everything I've been working so hard to build. That's fine, too. No, no, that's not what I said. Um, So this is the the Sifte Chachamim. And um, 
this is just a very, I think, a very different read on this, maybe more aligned with how I came into the how I came into the class. So I've been very compelled by the way that Rabbi Shapiro has taught on this verse. So um feeling less connected to it, but but still think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, way of, of reading the verse. So the Sifte Chachamim say that potentially this verse translates to my merits have diminished uh, because of the kindness and truth that that Rashi's basically, he's using Rashi here, that Rashi's basically saying that because of everything you've given me, my, my, my actual ability, the things that I can put out in the world have now been subsumed that they've been they've been kind of swallowed up by the grand gestures that you've made now anything that I do is going to be seen as small because of all the greatness that you've put out in front of me and there's this there's this Habrit text which is a Hasidic text um that says that Jacob was afraid that his merits had decreased due to the many favors that God had showered upon him. So if, even if our patriarch Jacob felt that way, what shall we, it says sinners, but it just means normal people say who are so much more inferior to our patriarchs. So I think the take, the takeaway for me is mostly that I, I, I hope in our world um, that people don't feel this way with one another, but also don't feel this way about God or, or religious connection or spiritual connection, that people feel much more in the camp of Rabbi Shapiro in terms of, of feeling those, those relationships as being ones that you can grow into, as opposed to whether, whether it's like a major tragedy or a major miracle that you experience that how could there be anything that I could do to to even make one little ripple in the world um, when there are so many other big things that are happening? A lot of us saw this um, during two summers ago when there were lots of protests and riots and um, marches and lots of people standing up for lots of things, and many of which, if not all of which, were extremely important. And... Th- Many people said, oh, well, there's so many people already standing up for that. I don't also need to. So I think that my my takeaway from, from my read of this, which, again, is not the most positive of the reads, is just to know that even if there's grandeur and and real majesty that's happening around you, or even just more numbers of people doing something, that we, too, have a need to do just our little bit. And to make sure that our little bit is also making a difference. And we see in that from Jacob as well, that that Jacob makes that little difference, even though um, he feels like he's been made small amidst the the grandeur of of God. Um, That's my bow, but kind of brought in a different subject, but that's my bow. Um, I, I unfortunately actually have to rush because I have a student leadership conference student-led conference I don't know what it stands for but I have parent-teacher conferences right now um with my sixth graders so I'm gonna go but Shabbat Shalom lovely to see you all thank you Rabbi Shapiro you're always a hoot uh see you all soon (laughs) a hoot you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles 
If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.